0: from the WRG version, which means the without reading glasses version, so this could be interesting. Um, But Jonah chapter 1, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa and he found a ship going to Tarshish. For he hmm, for he, ah, paid the fare thereof <laughs> and went down to it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord." <laughs> this is the word of the Lord. <laughs>
1: Word of the Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Gary. <laughs> well, tonight we, um, we begin a study of the book of Jonah, which will take us through Advent. And uh, you, you, you know this is something of a fish story. You know that there is a whale in it. And um, just as a bit of an aside, my daughter Bryden and her siblings have given Sandy and I a bucket list trip of a lifetime to Bermuda, next week where I'll be swimming a a 10k race uh Sunday morning and Brian is a very encouraging child and has been sending me pictures um of uh whales and that is off the coast of Bermuda where I'll be (laughs) swimming my race so um just appreciate the love and support of my family in this next week um Paige will be uh, preaching and uh I'll be swimming from 9 to 12 in the morning, if you happen to think about it. My main goal is to not be brought in in the kayak of shame. That's, I just want to finish the race. So so we are starting uh, Jonah tonight. And I wanted to tell you maybe a little more than I normally would about how I got to Jonah, maybe be a little more honest than I normally would. I pray a lot about what we study as a church, talk to different folks and friends and leaders. and uh, Because I, I, over the years, I've seen God kind of work within us as we've um, been in different texts. And just I, I was praying about what to study. And last winter, I heard an interview with Tim Keller, who was the pastor of Redeemer up in um, uh, New York City. And he was talking about the book of Jonah and how... Uh, how relevant it was today and, and how it addressed issues like uh, relating to, to the to the foreigner and the stranger and nationalism and, and all these uh, good questions and I thought you know that's something I've been thinking a lot about particularly about race and he had a very interesting uh, comment about how Jonah addresses how we approach people of different races and I thought you know this is gonna be a wonderful way to address race um, uh, from the study of a book well Um, Here's kind of where the Lord has gone with that. In 1993, I was prayer walking with my friend John Lawler in Mechanicsville. And I think I heard a word of the Lord. One of the few times I'd say that. And uh, we were out there walking and I felt like God was saying that one of the things that I was supposed to pursue the rest of my life was racial reconciliation, particularly with African-Americans, particularly in Knoxville. And I thought that I heard that word here's kind of where I am with it right now. A couple of years ago, my son and son-in-law and I were backpacking in Banff and one day we got on a trail and we noticed the trail got smaller and smaller. That's usually not a good sign. Um, After about an hour, we realized that we were on a deer trail Um, and about an hour after being on the deer trail, we thought, well, deers go somewhere. Certainly this will work out. Uh, After a while, The deer trail disappeared, and the three of us were sitting in the middle of Banff uh, with nowhere to go. (laughs) That's how I feel my calling towards race is right now. Like I set off on this trail, but the trail kept winnowing down, and now I don't see the trail at all anymore. And I'm just trying to be obedient to the things that he asked me to do, but I don't see the trail. And here's what I think I was doing. I sort of have a a pastor crush on Tim Keller. And so (laughs) whenever I see him do something, it's like, yes, that must be good. And uh, I think what I was trying to do was impose something I'm working on into the text of Jonah. And uh, yeah, there'll be a little bit about race in there. But this book is about so many different things. And as I've been reading it over and over again and meditating on it and praying about it, it's, it's really a, oh, good I'm glad you took the whale down. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's keep that one up there. I just have this sense that this fall is going to be kind of an adventure for us as we go through Jonah. And it's about a lot more than a whale. And I, I want to just take a moment and talk a little bit about how we might read this book rather than what we're going to read. I want to encourage you this fall to read Jonah contemplatively. And by that I mean, you know, it's fun to do these Old Testament books. I love it. We're going to do a little bit. You know, Here's the map, and here's what this word means, and here's what was going on in history, and here are the three principles, and, and that's all fun. But I want the book to read us. In other words, I want the God's inspired word to work on us more than we work on the book. you follow me? you know the difference? See, this is an occupational hazard. Pray for this. I said in my letter to you, I hope I get 15 more years. This is one of the things that I really hope I can grow in. It's an occupational hazard when you've been in the ministry as long as I have and you love the word as much as I do, is that it can just become a lot of fun to study it, sit over it, critique it, evaluate it, boil it down into principles, get it out there. And I'm really feeling a call, both individually and corporately, for us to allow the book to critique us. And one of the things I'd encourage you to do is to take the text that we're in on Sunday and sit with it in some way during the week that is more more contemplative, more prayerful, more discerning, and not just with your head. One way you can do that is uh, by writing poetry that comes up out of the text. Not award-winning poetry. You don't have to be Mary Oliver, Um, but... What I find is approaching the text in that way where you've sat in it and it gurgles up and then you're trying to reflect on it is a way to access different parts of yourself that you won't get in a commentary or a, a book study. So if you're led to do that during the series, please send it to me. It'll, it'll help me understand what's going on in the, in the passage. So just a little bit of background to kind of orient ourselves. Um, 2 Kings 14.25 is the only place in the Bible other than this book that tells us about Jonah. Three lines. Jonah lived during the reign of Jeroboam II in the middle of the 8th century B.C. And if we have, I think we have a map there. We'll give you a little bit of that. So Jonah lives way up north, um, way north of Jerusalem near Galilee. And he lives in a village called gath hefer and that means a vineyard or vine press. And so Jonah was probably a, uh, a farmer. And at this point in history, 8th century BC, the Assyrians are uh, the Nazis of the ancient world. They're terrorizing everyone. They're about to take over northern Israel um, and that whole kingdom and wipe it out. Everybody knows it. So the setting of this stream would be like if you were in uh, London in 1938 or something like that, and you, you know that the Nazis are coming, you know that the invasion is coming, and that's how everybody in the north felt during this period. And uh, just, Nineveh is the capital of Assyria, that's 500 miles to the north of where he lived. Tarshish, however you say it, is in Spain, 2,500 miles to the west, read as far away as he could think of going. (laughs) He he didn't have Google. He picked the farthest ticket he could buy and and, and booked it one way. Um, So let's, let's look at this for a second. If we can just put the text up there again. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come against me. Now, we tend to think of this idea of of the word of the Lord as kind of a nice, warm, cuddly thing. Oh, I got a word from the Lord. Thank you, Lord. It's good to have a word from the Lord. Uh, Sometimes it is. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. (laughs) Okay? This is a time when it's not, and the word of the Lord comes to Jonah and calls him to go to Nineveh. And, And as we have described it, uh, Nineveh was Berlin during World War II. And so this would be like God going to a, a Jewish student at Oxford in 1942 and saying, I want you to go to Berlin and share with Mr. Hitler a prophetic word that he's displeasing me. So this is a, a terrifying, scary uh call for for Jonah. Now we don't know much at all about Jonah. Uh, He does give one kind of vague prophecy to the king about expanding borders. Uh, Jeroboam was one of the worst kings of all of Israel. Uh, Jonah doesn't appear to have been in a seat of power with him. And, And so we get the sense that here is a guy who is just sort of kind of keeping his nose down trying to keep out of trouble, working his vineyard The fact that it says, arise, go, kind of gives the impression that he's sitting and not really ready to go anywhere. And then comes the word of the Lord. And Nineveh, for Jonah, is the hard place, the dangerous place, the foreign place, the place where the enemy goes, the place where the nonbeliever lives, the place where the stranger lives, the place you're afraid of going, the place that makes you feel vulnerable. So here's the question tonight I want you to think about. Where is your Nineveh? Where is God calling you that feels dangerous, risky, or vulnerable? Now, these kinds of callings often begin with a word from the Lord, with God stirring in you, uh, disorienting you, confusing you bringing something up in you you know the feeling if you've walked with him for long if, if you're new to faith you'll know it soon enough what is your Nineveh you know for some of us it might be the the city of Knoxville I, I remember before I started coming down here I was very afraid of of the city it seems scary and I In those prayer walks with John in 1993, looking at the syringes and the prostitutes doing tricks and uh, the garbage out front of uh, Maynard Elementary School and then going home to my nice, clean little house and getting my kids ready for Rocky Hill and realizing they're in the same school district and how could this be and yada, yada, yada. I began to feel so uh, called to the city, but I was afraid. Maybe that's happening with you. Or maybe your Nineveh is is a literal enemy, someone you need to reconcile with or who has threatened to hurt you and God is calling you to arise. Go pursue them. Your Nineveh might be a people or a race or an ethnic group who look and speak differently than you. It might be one of the Uh, Groups of refugees in our community. It might be an African American, or if you're African American, it might be white people, it might be Latino people, it might be uh, uh, some of the African refugees. It might be a people group. Your Nineveh might be inside of you. Matter of fact, I have a hunch a lot of the work in calling has to happen internally before it happens externally. I have a hunch that for some of you, the the scary place you don't want to go is in here. It's, It's hidden. It's down deep. It may be a memory or a belief, something that you're terrified of accessing. Your Nineveh might be a leadership role that you've long avoided. You know God's been asking you to do that. Your Nineveh might be maybe a way of knowing and loving God that that seems inviting, but kind of frightening to you. You're sensing this kind of invitation, uh, a a call to maybe loosen your grip on a form of religion that you thought was serving you well, but it's not anymore, and it's not nourishing you anymore. You're, You're feeling called deeper, further in, but you're not sure what that looks like, and it scares you. Your Nineveh might be a new career path. I mean, you may be hearing a word from the Lord that you're ignoring, or God is saying it's time to make a change. Your Nineveh might be a book you know you're supposed to write, but, but writing scares you, and the effort it takes overwhelms you, and... I'm going to just share something here. I've shared it once before. Uh, I do think the Lord has given me a prophetic word for our body. I I mentioned this about six months ago. I'll say it again. I believe a woman in our congregation will write a book that will be impacting the church 50 years from now. She doesn't have to have a seminary degree to do it. The shepherding team is uh, working on a discernment process, uh, sort of a a prayer-based Strategic plan, and we're going to bring you more involved in that as we kind of get to the next stages of it. It's going to be a big part of our work together next year. You know, God calls us to Nineveh. Will we go? Um, will we be paying attention? And notice how simple this call is He says, Arise, go. <laughs> There's no map. No passport. And I I mention that to you because I think a lot of us get paralyzed with fear because we don't know what's supposed to happen once we go. And we think, well, I'm not going to go because I don't have all the details worked out. And if you go and study callings in the Bible, Abraham, Mary, so many, there are not many details. You get the details after you go. And you might be wondering, why aren't I hearing from the Lord about what I'm supposed to do once I go? And the answer is probably because you haven't gone. And you're not going to hear until you go. You're not going to hear until you go. Fear keeps us from going to Nineveh. Jonah has a legitimate fear. I read a fascinating essay on Jonah this week by a Palestinian Christian who lives in Bethlehem. It was really interesting. And she writes, Imagine that Yahweh comes to a Palestinian and asks him to go to the state of Israel and prophesy against her because her sins have come before Yahweh. He could be arrested by the soldiers and thrown into prison, especially if he enters Israel without a permit. Palestinians listening to this story would understand why the prophet chose to run away. So is fear keeping you from going to Nineveh? Or as a friend of mine asked, what would you do if you were not afraid? What would you do if you were not afraid? Last part of the story again. Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish. And if we could put the map up there again, I just think it's such a great picture of of how a lot of us walk with God. And by the way, we're supposed to read this. All of us are Jonah. This is a story about us. And so 2,500 miles to the west, as far as he could possibly go. And you know, if you, if you study this in Sunday school, it's, it's kind of fun. Oh, Jonah was so disobedient, and we would never do that. And gosh, how, what an idiot. Well, I, I think half my life has been on the boat to Tarshish. I think there are subtle and hidden ways that we flee Nineveh and the presence of the Lord and get on a boat to Tarshish. Are you doing that tonight? I mean, you, you know what God has called you to do. It's probably not something epic like save Nineveh. It's probably something dumb like call your brother or something silly and simple or, you know, or, or look at why it is that you struggle with addiction or why you're so afraid of this. You know. It's probably something simple. What does it look like for you to go to Tarshish? Or, In other words, how do you ignore the word of the Lord? How do you do that in your life? I mean, most of us don't just flat out disobey it, kind of like Jonah does. Most of us are a little, uh, little slicker than that. You know, we here I think is the favorite one is we do not create space to get quiet enough to hear the word of the Lord. You know, I had my son-in-law, we did have this lovely wedding yesterday, a great, great talk with my son-in-law. He said, how's Facebook going? He just started, he's got this great team, all these graduates from MIT and Stanford, and, and, I sa- and he said, something's really interesting is most of the guys on my team don't use Facebook. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that says something. How often do we use Facebook or Instagram? or ESPN app to keep our minds so cluttered that we wouldn't hear a word of the Lord if we knew it. I think we can rationalize our way out of responding to the word of the Lord. We can avoid people and communities who might encourage us to follow the word of the Lord? I, I honestly, I know there's a lot of good reasons for pulling away for fellowship. I know people get hurt. I understand that. Uh, I care deeply about it. I do think sometimes people pull away from community because it is in community that they discern the word of the Lord. And so they pull back because they do not want to hear the word of the Lord. One of the things that comes up twice in this is that when he flees Nineveh, he doesn't just flee Nineveh, he flees the presence of the Lord. That's in, that's in there twice. There's a real important spiritual truth in there. Yes, he calls him to do a hard thing that might entail suffering, but is that narrow way that leads to the presence of the Lord, the intimacy with the Lord. And when we go the other way, it might be safer. We might live longer. But something happens to our walk with God. Um, I was talking about this with, with Mark Payton. He shared something that came up with a Monday night uh, Bible study, and they were talking about this uh, Greek word, acedia, that the church fathers used to describe kind of a, a slothful or a spiritually lazy condition. But here's a fuller definition of acedia. Uh, Asidia is not the avoidance of work. It is the avoidance of work that God called you to do at this moment. I think that is really profound. If you feel spiritually sluggish tonight, and maybe you're listening online, and uh, you just feel really kind of spiritually lazy, uh Maybe that's why you're not really getting up off the couch much to do more than push the button on your phone to listen to this. Uh, maybe one of the reasons you're spiritually sluggish is because you are avoiding the work God has called you to do. Asidia is the spiritual sluggishness that comes when you avoid the work that God has called you to do. And, of course, in the book of Jonah, he literally falls asleep. It's a picture of it. It's a picture of it. So one of the things I want you to think about this fall is what is my Nineveh? And what does it look like for me to flee to Tarshish? Now I ask a friend of mine Actually, a couple of months ago, when I was thinking this was going to be a series on race, I, I emailed my friend Mary Terry. Mary is a, a, one of the most brilliant teachers I've ever met. She helps Chantel and I teach this class on racial reconciliation for the fellows. And uh, she did her master's at UNC, uh, taught at Pellissippi, and now she helps us. And um, I, uh, I would probably have quit the class if it weren't for you because it's been a very difficult class. But at the end, I thought she'd give me all these great things on race, and uh, because she's brilliant and very well read on the whole racial issue, and she didn't. She gave me a poem, and I thought, wow, this is such a powerful way to engage this text. And so I asked her to come and end our sermon by reading it to you, so Mary, please come.
0: Is called the Book of Jonah. Am I ready for the kingdom? The kingdom comes for everyone. Ready the heart. The kingdom comes with compassion. Being hungry, being scared, both are grace to turn. Turn if only for bread or bed. Turn to the person closest. The kingdom comes to death. Jonah asked for it, and then asked for help. And good can come, but the only good folks here are the Ninevites.